Well, welcome again, folks, to the Rugby League European Federation podcast. I uh, hope you're all well. And this week, I think it's fair to say we're, we're joined by Rugby League royalty in terms of um, the family and uh, in terms of their involvement in Rugby League and, and epitomised by John Risman, who joins us today. Hello there, John. How are you? Hi, Graham. Very well, thank you. Yeah, I'm ready for any questions you want to ask. <laughs> <laughs> as ever, John, just as you always wear for the Game Rugby League as well. Where are you joining us from, John, today? Uh, well, from a little cottage in the Lake District, so a uh, nice, cosy little place. Good, good. Listen, John, we're going to delve into your involvement, extensive involvement in the development of the sport across Europe. But I always ask everybody, uh, what is your very first personal memory of Rugby League? Quite early, Graham. Uh, my father obviously was a um, uh, one of the top rugby league players, and in 1952 we went to Wembley with Workington as uh, as captain of the Workington side. Well, I was seven at the time, and uh, I remember going and sitting in the stand at Wembley watching my father play. So that was basically my first memory of rugby league. My goodness, that that, that must have been some journey down. To down to make that you know that pilgrimage to Wembley. Yeah, just tell us a bit more about that, that trip down then, John. Uh, well, uh, obviously my parents uh, were organised for my mother to go uh, with some of the family and, and my brother Bev, and uh, we just uh, we went by bus. Uh, that's coach and uh, travelled all the way down, probably took about eight or ten hours, I think, stayed at the Cumberland Hotel and uh, went from there. Um, Bev will have the same memories as I, yep. but uh, I knew nothing about drinking the champagne afterwards or anything like that. So my memories were very, very short and, and uh, childlike there. Yeah, and of course, John, for those who are not aware, when you talk about your father, we're talking about Gus Risman, who's in the Hall of Fame. And, and of course, I've seen you a few times recently at Wembley. And of course, that's an incredibly important place for your family, given that your father is part of the statue at Wembley. That must have been an amazing moment to be part of that. Well, it's, it's unique. If, you, if your family is recognised on such a high uh, basis, you know, you've got to be very, very proud. I mean, I'm... I'm proud of uh, my family, uh, my father and my brother, super people, as well as uh, top class players. I think uh, one of the, the greatest issues is that uh, having to live up to their reputations is a little bit difficult and uh, you have to make your own way in life a little bit if you're in that position, but uh, to have to, uh, to be able to follow two wonderful uh, players, um, wonderful characters of the game. It's it's uh, it's such a great experience. Yeah, sure. You know, obviously, the family you had, you were destined to be in rugby league, and you did cut out your own uh, your own career, John. You you obviously um, you played for Wales. You're you're an international rugby league player. Uh, you were there for Fulham in that debut season. Carlisle as well. Any other clubs to add to that array, John? I, started, I signed for Workington Rugby League Club and stayed there for nine years. Um, I then moved to Blackpool when Blackpool became members of the first division, the old first division, 
and I stayed there for a year. And I took several Cumbrians down there with me uh, who did the club no harm whatsoever. Um, I also um, played for Whitehaven on a, um, a player-coach basis. And uh, I think that's about it. Oh, wow. I've yeah. played rugby league for probably 25 years professionally. And what, what will you do? You, you, you're a teacher by trade, John, aren't you? Is that one of your your your, your main professions? Yeah. Qualified as a teacher um, later in life, but also um, I was in the catering industry. I was a, a cordon bleu chef uh, when I left college. I did a three-year course at college and did one year in Switzerland learning all the trade. Um, so I've got plenty of strings to my bow. So first of all, my uh, interests were in catering before I went to uh, college for for teaching. So uh, I've got many strings to my bow. Yeah. So we first met John in probably one of your first forays into the, you know, outside of all those wonderful, you know, areas like Whitehaven and, and, and Blackpool and, and so on, where the game has got a professional uh, presence uh, was through Scotland. Um, my second game was a Scottish students trial and you'd just taken over as the as the head coach. So just tell me a little bit how you managed to get involved with Scotland, John. Um, very simple, really. I mean, uh, I was in the catering trade at that point and I was I had some pubs and uh, bars and uh, obviously I had time to spare. And my brother realised that he was actually chairman of uh, Student Rugby League at the time. Yeah. And he asked me if I'd uh, like to take over Scotland because you know, on a coaching role, because Malcolm Reid, who had been the previous coach, uh, decided that it was going to be too much for him to carry on. So they were short of a coach. And uh, I was looking for a, a little bit of interest in rugby league and, and it just suddenly popped up and and I've never regretted one moment of it. Well, John, yeah, there were some great years there. We're talking about 90, for me, 93 and, and all the way through the rest of the 90s working alongside you. And another person who became very important in that set was, of course, Kevin Rudd. And I think uh, you, you were certainly part of those, some of those amazing bus tours around Europe uh, with Kevin and a couple of busloads of, of Scottish students players, some wonderful memories, the likes of Italy and Germany and all sorts of places covered. Yeah, well, I've, I've got some very, very fond memories of uh, all the all the students. I mean, uh, they're still very good friends and I'm still in touch with them all. But we did have some uh, fantastic development tours, which I thought was always very, very important to give the, the students you know, something a little bit more than just playing rugby but the experience of life. So we did go to France and we did go to Germany. We went to Italy. Um, I remember one trip we went to Italy and we were in St. Mary's Square there in Venice and we uh, had a piper with us. Suddenly got the, the piper got his pipes out and we were singing Scotland Scottish songs in the middle of St. Mary's Square. We moved on to uh, the seafront there and... Uh, all the boys were keen on going on a gondola trip and uh, 
so I, I tentatively asked a gondolier if it would be possible to take a trip for about 20 or 30 people, uh, Scots people, uh, around the sites of Venice. And the guy piped up, well, he said, I'm the only Scottish gondolier. <laughs> and, oh, that's not a coincidence. He said, I'm not going to leave you wondering. I'll get my passport and show you. And there, there it was, born in Inverness, the only Scottish gondolier. And it did us no harm at all because it cost us no cash. And uh, it was only too willing to organise it for us. So that's an example of uh, how the rugby game does spread or the Scottish um, issue always spreads because they're always well appreciated with the kilts and the, yep. and the uh, bagpipes always welcome everywhere so that was one example yeah uh, many many more we went to bordeaux once if you remember that trip graham i think you were on it yeah uh, we took a, a very high quality bus which had a, a lounge in it uh, down to bordeaux from uh, scotland and we played a couple of games down there but one of the games we did play was not rugby but uh, it was an oyster and wine drinking competition. If you remember that, we stopped at a little bar outside Bordeaux. Yeah. Uh, it was a gay bar, funnily enough. And we all piled in and uh, started drinking beer and wine. And some customers all of a sudden came along and offered us some oysters. So we, we gratefully took the oysters and we were great at manufacturing situations that entertain people and so we decided that we'd have an oyster and wine race so i split three teams into fours and we had a race round the outside garden having to eat three oysters and down a cup of wine or a glass of wine and uh, in our kilts and of course the gays loved it so that was an experience for them and for us. So things like that were, we used to manufacture little issues that entertain people as well as on the rugby field. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you must have seen um, some people almost play their first games or first um, part of rugby league, particularly coming from rugby union. And of course, you know, you'd grown up with, with rugby league. How enjoyable was that, John, to see people go through that journey of discovery of rugby league? Well, it's like everything else, Graham, that you discover. You know, you find uh, the highs and lows. Of course, you get very frustrated at times, but you find yourself getting very elated at times. Um, frustration purely from the fact that uh, some of the Scottish boys who were turning from rugby union didn't quite know uh, the concept of rugby league and consequently um, maybe let themselves down a little bit on the field. Uh, I can think of several occasions when we've had an opportunity to beat England, which were our arch rivals, and uh, some little unfortunate incidents which showed a lack of experience let us down. But you know, it's very exhilarating to, to be able to teach people things and they come up to you afterwards and say, fantastic, it's improved my game, no end. And 
of course, those rugby league players that went back to rugby union, the students, that is, that went back to rugby union appreciated that because it gave them a little bit extra in their own uh, rugby union careers. And you know there was obviously some really good players there, and 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 you must have been taking great pride in the likes of someone like Nick Marden, who who started under your tutelage at Scottish Students and ended up playing for London Broncos, including in that memorable night in '97 when they beat Canberra at, at, at the Stoop in the World Club Challenge. You know, to see to see a player go on that journey within about five years, that must have been something else. Well, of course, it makes you very proud. I mean. Uh... It's not me that makes the player, it's the player that makes themselves and uh, it's the dedication to what you have to learn to, uh, to adapt yourself to another game. And Nick was exceptional, a very, very intelligent guy, an accountant uh, by trade, I think. And uh, yep. so he knew exactly what was required. He was dedicated to playing whichever sport it was, he was good at most sports. Uh, it was an entertainer in amongst the group. Uh, we had characters spread throughout the group and it, it seemed to manifest itself in people's uh, performance on the day. We got far better performances than you would ever imagine from many of the guys purely because of the, of the stimulation of everybody around them. It was a fantastic time for Scotland Rugby League and we were... We had a, a, a very, very uh, close-knit group of, of very, very nice people. Yeah, it was, obviously. I mean, as you say, taking two busloads full of, of young players, uh, blokes across Europe, you know, you'd be like you and Kevin, like Sir Phil Slaney as well. As you got into the 2000s, you began to get involved with Serbia, John, um, and, and has become a very important country for... For, for you, just tell us a bit of background, how you, how you uh, picked up doing some work for Serbia. Well, Serbia, uh, it's a wonderful place, Serbia, and I still go there at least once or twice a year because I've made so many good friends there. But it is unusual. I mean, I have a, um, a curiosity for Eastern Europe because most of my family, uh, my family on my father's side came from Latvia. So, in fact, uh, the Russian aspect or the Eastern European aspect has always fascinated me a little bit. So we went to Serbia on a tour um, and we enjoyed it thoroughly. We, we stopped at, um, it was about three weeks we spent on, on the bus and, and touring around Europe. And we liked the, um, the, the whole atmosphere of Serbia. It, it wasn't Eastern Europe. It was a, a cross between Eastern and Western Europe. It's a wonderful place with a very historical background, particularly in Belgrade, where we actually went on that tour. And uh, eventually they sent an under 16s team to uh, a competition in Holland. And Scotland, who I was coaching at the time, also had a team there and I went over to see the um, Serbian boys because they seemed to lack a little bit of leadership and uh, and um, control of the rugby league skills so I went along and helped them in one particular game and I think they never forgot that because 
Um, the following year in 1993, I think, um, they were in a Mediterranean Cup with uh, Morocco, Lebanon, France and Serbia. And it was taking place in Lebanon. And I suddenly got a phone call from Jovan and Jovan has now made his own way in European Rugby League because he, I think, is the chief officer, is he? Yeah, he oversees European Rugby League. Yeah, he does. Uh, he he and uh, Rally Novakovic uh, phoned me up and asked me if I'd like to take um, control of the of the team going to Lebanon, which I, without hesitation, accepted. Uh, they played the previous year, and they, in the same competition, and they got beaten by scores of a hundred odd and and 70-odd and 80-odd. And so I spent two weeks in Serbia preparing them. Absolute novices. And we went to um, Lebanon very apprehensive about everything because obviously the teams that we were playing were all semi-professional teams. And uh, so we had a lot to, to live up to. And eventually... Uh, we played well against France. I think we were beaten 17-6 or something. We played Morocco and we drew 20-all. And we played Lebanon, who beat us by 40-odd points to 10 or something. But we scored tries and we competed. And, and uh, the Serbian boys were absolutely thrilled with that. And uh, obviously news spread in Serbia and I was invited back to develop the team if I could do and the um, not only the senior team or the students but every aspect of Serbian Rugby League and that's exactly what I did. I, I acted as consultant, coach, manager, you name it. I was doing everything to help them that I could possibly do. Yes. Yeah. Came to this day. I still go over and help them. Yeah, indeed. And so you were recently. And just just give an idea then, John, to to people that you know you've had you've not had much to, or nothing really to do with the team apart from being at a tour with them and, and helping out as you do. And then all of a sudden you get a call to go to Lebanon, and you know early, early two thousand, some of Serbia's earliest international matches. How do you approach that, John? You know, how do you approach bonding with the team and assessing them and, and how much you can achieve in two weeks and what you can't achieve? What, what's your approach? Well, the very, very fortunate thing is that a lot of Serbians speak better English than you or I. <laughs> that's not difficult, John. <laughs> and that's, that's no joke. So, in fact, passing information on, which is probably one of the most difficult things uh, if you're a foreigner in a country, uh, that is one of the most difficult things. But not having to do that uh, was a big positive. I was very keen on um, developing discipline. And unfortunately, Serbia, to begin with, was very undisciplined, uncontrolled, aggressive, confrontational, you name it. That's what Serbian people are like. Uh, to a certain degree when when they're not shown the other path. So I showed them the other path and taught them how to control themselves and in actual fact, 
the game. So it was a, a big influence on on the way of life of a lot of these players. And I, I get the players coming up now and saying thank you to me when I'm over in Serbia, saying thank you for the things you gave me, uh, apart from rugby. And uh, I think it, the culture is that you learn and uh, not only your um, athletic skills, but you, your personal skills. And, and that's a way I've always tried to um, coach people. You know, using a little bit of psychology, if you like to call it psychology, management of, of the psychological aspect of uh, getting the best out of people. You know, and I've done some consultancy work with a couple of companies about managing their uh, progress through a psychological knowledge of, of how they react and, and so on. So I'm very, very keen on uh, the psychology of management. John, that probably works again in your teaching, because I remember you were at schools where perhaps you were giving the kids who were just struggling with their discipline a bit wayward, maybe didn't have great support from home. So quite a lot of overlap there, isn't it? It wasn't just about, it was about the whole person, even through rugby league, you know, you can develop your person uh, better through, through, through that. Uh, Education is an important part of what you've been trying to do. Well, yeah. When I was at college, um, psychology was quite a big part of my course and uh, I, I took to it like a duck to water and uh, realised the benefits of, of uh, you know, guiding people uh, into, into a, a better way of um, behaving or not only behaving but conducting themselves over uh, through life. And uh, I've always been keen on trying to improve people's lives rather than, you know, just the, just the um, personal assets that they have. So I'm, I'm very keen on that and it pays dividends in the end because I get students, kids coming up to me who are now 40 years old saying, hello, Mr. Risman, nice to see you again, sir. You know, and I mean, I used to command respect purely because I respected them as well in their own little uh, world that they had. So I was keen on that and uh, I've developed it ever since. And of course, John, when you go to these countries, you know, there's, there's not necessarily the same sort of resources, you know, that, 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 that has in, in, in the uh, rugby league in, in parts of England. And I can remember a uh, thing that stands out. I was the performance director of Great Britain Rugby League and there was the first ever get together. Brian Noble was coaching and that was at Edge Hall near St. Helens. And there was a whole of Great Britain. We're there for a day. And then I flew out, flew out the next day because I was also overseeing World Cup qualifying. Uh, and there was you, I remember sat, uh, oh, some castle, I think it was, overlooking the Danube and looking down there was you training the Serbian national team in a, in a public park. You know, so when you go to those places, you know, you really have to get, get, get down and get dirty and, and just deal with whatever's there, isn't it? That's, that's an important skill to have. Yeah, the, the, the most important thing is we've got to realise that other countries don't have the facilities that we do. So you have to have, you have to be very adaptable. And, it, uh, you know, you're talking about Serbia there, but I, I was coaching some gypsy kids there 40, 40 gypsy kids turned up to a, um, 
a training session once and we had a training session in a wood. We didn't have a field and they were dodging around small saplings, trees and everything, you know, in carrying the rugby ball and tackling each other. You know, things like that are, are amazing, but the environment they live in is how they cope. And uh, it's up to us. If you go to a certain place, it's what they have and you've got to utilize it in the right way. I remember going to Malta once. We, uh, I took uh, Scotland to Malta once and uh, the setup wasn't really, um, wasn't really mature enough to, to have us play games. And we actually um, played a game with half guys and half girls, you know, because that was the only game that was available, but to give them the experience of everything. And it was played on a hard court. You know, so it was half half uh, grab and half touch, yeah. you know, and then eventually we decided we'd play on a, a surface and we played a, a full complement of a girls team. You know, we could only tag them, and but they could tackle our boys. So, you know, you adapt to the circumstances, don't you? Yeah, sure. So just tell us more about as the, as the journey with Serbia began to unfold. What other highlights do you recall as you as you began to make progress with them? Well, one of the highlights I had was uh, was to see Serbia in the World Cup preliminaries, and uh, one of the nicest things I ever had with Serbia was when we pay, played Wales, um, and and. We were in the playoffs and we were very competitive for the first half. And uh, eventually we got beaten by 40 odd points, I think. But the lads were absolutely competitive for that first half. And we were one try down at half time. Look, uh, with having a try being disallowed. And uh, we looked every inch of capable of competing with them throughout the, the whole game. Unfortunately, as you know very well, as the game wears on in these cases, sometimes because you, you have a lack of, of um, quality sometimes in your knowledge, uh, it doesn't go right in the end. And, uh, but I was very proud of the boys that particular day. And, you know, we've had games where we've played Russia, we've played Georgia, we've played France, and the lads compete to the highest possible quality that they can and they give you absolutely everything and the way forward for Serbia it started already by having one team which has played in the national uh, challenge cup uh, Red Star Serbia has uh, played in the challenge cup, they played Milan and uh, got beaten but obviously Milan had a lot of ex-professionals playing which turned the, the tables on Serbia and obviously the result was uh, a little bit predictable but you know I'm proud that they came all the way from Serbia to play at Milan which is in Cumbria you know an outpost yeah so you know for them to do that it's it's marvelous yeah and so so what other countries have you been involved with John who else have you helped out I've had some great experiences in Russia You've been to Russia, you'll know what it's like. Yep. 
a, it's a fantastic place. I think it's very well organized. And, and every time I've been to Russia, which is three times now, they've actually looked after us exceptionally well. Uh, we were at Kazan for a student's uh, European um, trophy uh, with a guest side from New South Wales. Uh, that was an experience, which is, I think it's 1500 kilometers from Moscow. But we, we went to the first um, day there and we were playing, there was a match played in the, on the Kazan um, football ground. And there were 15,000 people there, 15 or 20,000 people. And so of, Scots, of course the Scots wanting to take center stage, paraded right round the ground on the touchline in full regalia with the kilts on and with the bagpipes. Uh, and so that was an experience. And out of that, we got invited to a, a, Russian, a Russian wedding, which was in the fashion of a Scottish, um, uh, Scottish dress. And we had a fantastic time there the invited to the wedding and it was they were all in Scottish outfits and the groom was in a kilt and the the girl was in a beautiful white dress with a tartan sash and and uh, all all the males had a bottle of vodka in front of them at dinner time and disappeared in about three hours absolutely paralytic but no vodka left and we were learnt to uh, we were left to learn um, Cossack dancing with the with the ladies that were left. That was the piper, myself, and uh, the physio. So we made ourselves proud there. So Russia was a very nice place to be. Um, I've been to Denmark. I've coached there. I coached a team of gays in in Denmark. Uh, partly rugby league, partly rugby union. I, I've coached. Uh, 10 to 15 year olds in Mallorca, a group of about 30, 10 to 15 year olds on a rugby union pitch. Um, I've been to Latvia, I helped them start up their game and they're, they're actually now re-emerging again themselves. Uh, I've been to the Czech Republic uh, on European business with, uh, with Scotland and obviously I met uh, the it was under 16s and we met Serbia in the semi-finals or quarter-finals rather and uh, obviously I was in charge of Scotland at the time and and I'd coached Serbia most of the under 16s for them and so I had I was sitting in the stand uh, hoping they'd both win but you can't do that unfortunately I've been to Italy obviously as I said before um, many many places. You know, and, and yeah, it's, it's been a fantastic journey for me. I, I had one interesting uh, other issue in Russia. I went to Russia to uh, see my daughter in Tumen in Siberia over New Year. And uh, she was teaching over there. And she went to a restaurant in Tumen. And... Uh, this waiter was serving her and uh, he realized that she was English and he, 
he didn't know who she was or where she came from or anything. And he came up and he said, excuse me, he said, are you English? And she said, yes. He said, do you know John Risman? <laughs> what about that? He was one of my Serbian players who, who had coached when I first went there. And fancy that, of, of the people that he asked, it had to be my daughter. And she said, yes, I'm his daughter. So, of course, that was a unique situation. But things like that, rugby leagues like that, you can, you can meet the best people in the world, all over the world, and they will know something about you and something about the things that you're doing. And obviously, John, you've got some, some wonderful memories and some wonderful friendships from it, from all around Europe. I have, I've, I've, um, if I die tomorrow, I'll be happy with my contribution to uh, Rugby League and its contribution to me because I've enjoyed every moment of it. You know, you have your ups and downs, but without your downs, you don't get your ups. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm very, very proud of Rugby League for what it's given me uh, because it's a magnificent product and we should all be proud of it. Indeed. And, uh, yeah. You know, how we present it over the world is, is fantastic. We, we are a minority game. We can't get away from that. But the whole point is it's well-renowned throughout the world and uh, it's looked, looked at with awe from rugby union. And I can tell you that. And to tell me, John, just that, that theme of education, you know, your, your daughter doing the teaching, you are a teacher, Bev obviously was involved in education as well. There's something in that about going out and 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 educating people about rugby league and and themselves. It seems to be quite common across the Risman family. Yeah, I don't know where it comes from. My father was uh, uh, the son of a um, a merchant seaman, and uh, his his family was in Latvia. They were farmers and and. Uh, they had a leather factory, so I don't think it comes from that side. Um, my grandfather on my other side was a designer, and I don't think my mother got her um, experience from uh, for teaching from them. It just seems to be something that you grow up with. You take, I like taking care of people. I'm a very caring person, and uh, I like to see... Uh, that people get the best out of themselves. It's always been the same. I go to the gym now and I, I instantly get a following of people to go around with me doing a, a session, who want to do a session with me because I have my own particular type of uh, cardio weight um, circuit. And uh, I'm finding people are, are emailing to ask if they can have a copy of, of the session that I do. You know, but last time I was in Serbia, which was uh, a month ago, I went to a gym which I started going to uh, at the beginning of the year 2000, and they still knew me, and they wanted to be part of what I was giving. And in the end, I had six people. I was controlling six people on a on a, um, a circuit. You know, so I must be like Jesus in one respect people follow me <laughs> it just, it's, it's, it's happened across you know your family's you're talking about your family's history there but we had Ian Thompson on 
Ian being so important to the, the development of rugby league in Holland. And his first memory of rugby league is your father uh, saying to him as a young lad, would you like to come and play rugby league? Um, you know, so even then, I think your, your, your dad spotted talent and said, come on, come and have a go. So there is something there in the, in the Risman psyche or breeding. Well, if, if you've, ever, I don't think you've ever met my father, Graham. Unfortunately not, no. If, if you met my father, you'd realise that he also is a very caring person. He was a wonderful man as well as a wonderful rugby league player. You know, and uh, he could, he used to coach you into doing things. I mean, he never raised his hand to me whatsoever. And uh, I did exactly what he said down to the last item you know so he had he had that personal charisma that uh, gave him the quality of life to tell people how they should be running their lives so it's obviously come from him yeah where well, he i don't know well john i think i've discovered now that you're um you actually studied some psychology and, and you were certainly a coach like that because one of the things that people always talked about being coached by you was those halftime team talks whereby you would uh, you would start off very quiet and you'd almost have to lean in to hear what was being said. But then there'd be moments where it get pretty noisy and then it get quiet again. And you were just, I think, testing people out that they were making sure they were listening and you were getting your point across. So you obviously use your psychology aspects in your coaching a lot. Well, there's, there's two aspects to it, aren't there? You know, uh, to have the psychology, that's fine, and, and you can use all the tools that you need, but you also need the expertise in the, in the um, subject that you're teaching. So it's a combination of both, really, isn't it? You know, because you have to put your point over, but your point has to be what is needed at the time. So however, however you put it over, that's the psychology of the situation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, with Scotland students, I knew every one of them personally, and I knew how they reacted to um, sort of the moods that I would deliberately develop. So, you know, it was uh, getting the best out of everybody that you could. Yeah. And it's not necessarily just the skills, it's the, it's the um, adaption to, to the mood that they're in to do the skill. Yeah, yeah. Listen, John, it's been a, a wonderful um, 40 minutes just uh, looking back at your journey and, 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 you know, as you say, your own, you know, Welsh uh, international player and, 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 and the multitude of clubs you paid, played for and then obviously your the full family background, but you know, you've played such a major part in, in educating, in effect, educating people about rugby league and, and through that, them educating them about themselves as well. So, John, thank you so much for joining us. And long, long may you continue to be uh, trotting out to Europe. Uh, I know you, Serbia is a real hotspot for you, that you're out there and, and, and inspiring people and educating them, uh, you know, for years to come. Well, I'm, I'm educating somebody at the moment, Graham to organize a sushi restaurant in Belgrade. So that's another development. Okay. Of <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll maybe reconvene the, the, the conversation there, John, at some point. I look forward to that. Thanks, John. Okay, Graham. Bye now. Bye.
listen, folks, that's it. That's the end of this uh, this um, episode of Rugby League European Federation. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll see you again in two weeks' time. Let's <laughs> go.